Hey, Jacob, I have a question for you. Not too long ago, we were discussing whether or not you were going to do whole group novel or individual novels or a smaller group novel. So I was just wondering, what'd you decide? You know what? With that question, though, Miss Ochoa, I think we just got to start Craft and Draft today because that's what we're going to talk about, kind of. So, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome to Craft and Draft, ladies and gentlemen. We start with questions, and sometimes the questions lead us directly into the episode. My name is Jacob Chastain. That's Pam Ochoa. We are two Texas teachers loving reading, writing workshop within a pandemic, outside of a pandemic, and everything in between. We both teach online. We teach hybrid. We teach in person. We teach because we love to teach. Even in this crazy year, we talk about everything from under the sun. We take questions from you, and sometimes we just decide to talk about whatever we want because that's what podcasts are for. So if you enjoy this, like it, hit subscribe so you can get it every single Friday. But we're going to jump right into things today. All right. So oh, okay. this uh, topic, novels, novels, right? So I I changed it all up. So that whatever we talked about before, that those lessons didn't happen. I ended up doing something entirely different. But I want to save that. I want to put that I want to put a pin in your question. So this might be the longest time I have not decided to answer a question, but it's going to get answered, okay? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, but I want to lead us there. I want to take us on a journey tonight. I, I want to guide everyone. All I want right. I, I want to bring us together. I want to I want to really unpack the idea of what a novel is, what's it useful for, all of those other things. So as tradition dictates, you know, I love going back into your – I love kind of – I like the the bridging conversations we have sometimes where I go, back in your day, what was it like? And then transfer it into the modern times I because it's a good – I think it's a good perspective because I think our listeners, you know, some of them are newer teachers kind of like myself and some of them are more experienced teachers like you. And I think it's a nice – I think that's why we have such interesting conversations is because we are, we are the difference of, you know, decades of experience versus a young whippersnapper right. like me. So you have uh, – there's different perspectives and your wisdom and knowledge knows no bounds with the amount of experience you have. So when it comes to novels – were so in my head I'm thinking okay English classes when Miss Ochoa was starting to teach when you're in the English classroom I feel like it was in my head I'm like well of course y'all taught what four novels a year and that's what you did is that true or is that a miss uh is that a misbelief about what I think the English classroom was Well I think it was more than that Uh-huh but we did hit novels, but we also did short stories. It was more anthology-driven, I would imagine. I mean, we we definitely used the book, the textbook. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed using the textbook, to be real honest, because that way I didn't have to go find stories. I didn't have to figure it out. And some of the stories were pretty good. There's some real good ones. But um, I think where the textbook fell apart was you did this um, – these questions at the end of the, you know, at the end of the story and then you were done with it. So you never really, the kids never really experienced uh, going into, I don't know, going into the book, going back into it, enjoying it. Um, It was just more a lesson. I just got to answer these questions. And if they waited long enough, the teacher would actually answer the question for them. So then they could answer those questions, turn that in, and then teachers thinking they're doing a great job, we're all reading, everything's great. And then and then you would come to the novel and you would teach the novel and then you would run out of time. So then you'd end up summarizing most of it for them. For example, Great Expectations. I taught that novel. A little short novel to teach as a whole class. I must tell you, <laughs> it took a while. It took a while. <laughs> but uh, the kids didn't like it, so I had to like summarize a lot of it. <laughs> but I liked so, it, and I think the summary helped them, and then they could go back and reread it. I'm curious as to – so when you've had uh, a novel kind of breakdown, right? Because I, I feel like this is one of the – we're going to talk about the pros and cons of novels in the classroom, but I feel like this is definitely one of the cons of a novel, which is if you set out on a course 
of a book with a whole class and you get, mm-hmm. you know, 10%, 20% into it and you realize things aren't going well, there's not you many stop. options. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you look at it and you're like, oh my goodness, we got, that's a, that's a pretty long book, you know, and it's all written in, in uh, language that the kids just don't really understand that well. So it's fun, but I mean, it, it's a great story. I mean, really, Charles Dickens is like, he's a he's phenomenal storyteller. Yeah, but he's my he's my one of my top, definitely top three authors of all time. He changed my life. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like he can't, but it's it's just it's just not what these kids are interested in. So it's not really a good place to start getting them interested in reading. It's like, hey, okay, I got a book for you. Great expectations. It's probably not where you want to begin. Yeah, I mean it's it's difficult. So when you when you look at the novel today because we were you know we're kind of in a district where we we appreciate novels and we we're encouraged to do independent reading. They also highly encourage literature literature circles, but the whole group novel has really kind of faded out and I would even say that you know if we straight up asked uh, you know, our curriculum leaders, you know, should we do a whole group novel? They would probably be like, mm, and it would be like, a, it would, I don't know if it would be a hard no, but it would be, uh, here's other options for you. And so I've, I, I, I could, I haven't done a whole novel since my second or third year of teaching. I think I've said that on the podcast before. Um, but then I was planning with some of our teachers. And as you know, spring is testing season, right? So we are, we're gearing up for a million different tests. It is what it is. And I was like, okay, so how do I squeeze in kind of a multi-genre approach uh, that won't kill them? Right. I got, (laughs) they have all these, this test there. The kids are stressed out. It's everything else. I was like, how do I, how how can I bridge some of these things that I want to do? And so my partner and I came up with this idea of using a novel as a read aloud, right? Uh And then you use that read aloud, but as your mini lesson. And so during the 15 to 20 minutes of my mini lesson, it becomes the read aloud time where I kind of pre-plan talking points, discussions, pull in some other things throughout the novel. So like a nonfiction article that connects to an idea, something like that. And so it becomes this multi-genre approach to a read aloud. Uh, And I got to tell you, before I tell you how it went, I want to tell you my, I tried to come up with a million reasons why I shouldn't do this. Right. Like, I mean, every conversation, my partners are getting so annoyed with me. They're like, oh my God, Chastain, just make up your mind. Because one day I was like, yes, let's, let's do it. You know, it's not really in the curriculum. Mm -hmm. I was like, we're kind of taking the curriculum and washing it all together for this purpose. And I was like, "Eh, I mean, we're not going to get in trouble for it. (laughs) Um, So that's one of the benefits of being at my campus is they kind of, we, we're, we take the experimental approach and are like, just go for it. But the, it was, I was so, I wasn't scared, but I was so against this idea. And I, I'm curious as to, do you, where, I'm going to ask you, like, where do you think that this trepidation came from? Is it, is it because I'm so washed in this idea that a whole novel has too many deficits or what? Like, I, like I, I genuinely could, I, I still to this day really don't know why I was so, uh, reticent to do it. Would you be reticent to do that? I know. Like, do you, do you, do you read alouds? Novel? Am I reticent to do a whole group novel? Yeah. So it, two, it's no. really two questions. So when you do, okay. Do you do read alouds currently? And would you do a whole group novel currently? Yes. To both? Yes. <laughs> have you, have you done? Well, first of all, go ahead. I, go ahead. First of all, uh, right now, my whole team wanted to do the outsiders. So I gave in and we're doing the outsiders. So I'm doing a whole group novel right now. We're doing the outsiders because I gave in. Sometimes you just have to work with your team and that's what they wanted to do. So I didn't want to, I, there was no reason to fight. So I went ahead and did it, but we, we have some good lessons. Like, like yesterday we did, um, 
we, I was able to talk to the thing about a whole group novel, or like when you have them all together, uh, we opened my walls because I have a, I have a teacher. Uh, she next door, my, my, my friend next door. And she was like, can I just, she said, how are you going to do this? Uh, this part on chapter four or whatever. Um, they have to go to the church and things like that. And it's, it's got a lot of symbolism in it, I think. So, and we wanted to talk about what the church symbolized, and she didn't feel like her kids were there. Because I'm I'm no different than you in the sense that we have a lot of students that have a second language. And so, much less getting them to read the language and then understand the nuances of their second language, like symbolism and how it's being used, uh, is a pretty big leap. So, she she said, is there any way I can just watch you teach? Could we... Could we open the wall? Because I have a wall that opens. So we did. We opened up the wall, and uh, we taught both classes at the same time. It was fun. So that was that's that would be a positive for us having the same thing. So, but I mean, so, the kids are enjoying the book. I. Uh, but that's you know, not funny. my only book. That I'm doing. Oh. Go ahead. Well, so my what's funny is I get I get those walls next year. So we're already planning some cool ideas. You know, we're into They're classroom great. transformations and stuff like that. And I'm really mm -hmm. close to my partner who will be I'll be sharing a wall with next year. So we got some my kids yelling in the back. We got some cool ideas for uh for what we can do and and kind of playing around with it and stuff. But so when you're doing your whole class novel, though, because th mm -hmm. this was my first problem. Okay, I want to walk you through the the problems that okay. I was that I was having in my head. And I, what's funny is if I would have just called you, you would have probably just gave me the solution in five seconds. So this is an after the math. Hopefully, your advice will be able to help anyone else in this situation. I'm so not the way the way my workshop is built, it's very it's very fundamentally the same every single day. Kids come in. They jot down the standard in the craft book. We need to break down the standard if it's uh, a new standard or if there's vocabulary in there that we need. But at this point in the year, we've pretty much hit what we need to hit. So they kind of know what to do. Usually we pull out a piece of some sort. We read it. We analyze it. Do the mini lesson. After the mini lesson, kids set their reading goals. They go read. Mm -hmm. I'm reading with them. I'm conferring, doing all that stuff. That takes up pretty much half of the day, right? Half of the right. block. After that, we set our writing goals. Kids go into the writing. We write for the rest of the period. And then a brief 10, well, five-minute debrief at the end slash kind of uh, wrap up. So that's that's my day, right? Every single day. Things might change a little bit. The lesson might change in the mini lesson. But it, it is those essential blocks. So in my head, I was like, well, I don't want to take away their independent reading time. Uh, cause it's, it's been going so well. And I feel like I'll, they'll be, I was like, I feel like they'll be mad at me and be more resistant to the book if I do do that. Um, so that was my first problem. So my question to you is, is the whole novel taking place of any one of those things or did you wedge it in somehow? Well, it's, it's sort of wedged in, I would say, because the kids will come in and, we're because we have online kids at the same time we do it and we're they're picky so we do attendance warm-ups is what we do and it it's open up that day and it closes that day and that's how i go back and double check uh, that's the only thing that closes everything else stays open so it's just probably where we get our little test prep in there so they do that when they first walk in and then uh after that they read so they read for about 10 minutes or 15 minutes and then we'll go in and we'll read um, The Outsiders. I'll do my mini lesson, and I typically use something from The Outsiders. But what I'll try to do is say I'll teach them something from The Outsiders, for example, like symbolism. And then now what they do is they go, okay, the book that you were reading today, pull that out. Let's see if you can find a place where you're – go back through what you just read and see if there's anything or any place where your, your author used symbolism. So then I tie – what we're doing in Outsiders to what they're doing in their book. Now, you're talking about the time. If I'm running out of time, then I shorten my writing time and we write about the book. So, for example, they're talking about the church, right? And in the Outsiders where they go. And it's 
churches are a place of sanctuary, right? They're a place of a safe haven in books often. But this particular church gives them a creepy feeling. And so we just had that discussion about that. And, and why would this safe place give him, you know, creepy feeling? And so we talk about the mood and how that author set the mood. So then we go back to their books and they set the mood. But then in the writing part, I might say, right, is there a connection that you have? Write about a connection that you have to that. Or if I don't want them, I don't have something specific, I just let them write about whatever they want to write right on. Uh, So, in that case, their writing time is probably shortened a little bit. They don't get as much writing time as they did. And if I feel like I've cheated them on the writing time, then the next day, I just start with the writing. And then we'll, they'll come in, they'll do their tennis warm-up, and then I'll say, okay, we're going to write. So, then we write, and then we, so mine is more fluid. I think that's how I'm able to get it done. So, I'm not so rigid, and I have to do my reading first, this second, you know. So, if I don't get to something, I just move it into the next day, and I just make sure that through the week, I try to give equal time to both. Some days, I just tell the kids, we're just going to read today, and they go, yay, you know, and then we do, everything we do is all about the book, if I have to get it done. So, I don't know if that helps you, but that's kind of what I do. But we have the same principles in the workshop. They have reading time. They have writing time. They get to choose. Um, they're not getting to choose that novel, but I'm using that novel to teach them some things. And then I'm trying to tie it back to their own reading. So we go to the library and they have to they have to have a physical book in their hands. The ones in the classroom. Now, my kids online, that's a whole nother. That's that's being handled just a little bit differently. But the writing and all that is still there, and the reading is too. I so do you have? Do you feel like you lose any buy-in when you don't get to a piece of workshop during a workshop uh, a day? Because I have one of the things that, and this might Sometimes. be just you. Well, because it might be in our classrooms and our. There's a teacher. Uh, in my campus, who's been struggling with this is she kind of tried to do this more fluid aspect, right? If it didn't get to it, Uh you know, get to it the next day or whatever. Uh, but we found, and what we found at our campus is our kids, it's almost like if anything disrupts what they expect is going to happen, it ruins what we're trying to do. Like it just throws them off for some reason. They don't respond as well. It's like, Oh, well we didn't write yesterday. So now they've lost writing momentum. Um, and we're talking about generative writing, not just writing to respond or something like that. So they, I don't know that that was one of my big worries. So do you, do you feel like you lose that at all or no? No, I think it's just, they've gotten used to, I do, I do the whole year like that. So I don't think it, some days I, I mean, I, I just, I just do it where, um, it just kind of flows right into the next. So whatever we don't get done, if the kids, sometimes they'll say, oh, well, I was really hoping to do that. Well, don't worry about it because tomorrow we're going to do it all day. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I just don't feel like I, I guess it's not a point of contention for me or it hasn't been. I, I, I guess I usually can keep them calm down. Yeah. I wonder if it's uh, your skill level too, just as a teacher, just because I think, uh, I think being so comfortable with the process, you can probably lead kids through it uh from day to day without having too many issues yeah and i mean even when i teach with other people and we're teaching teachers right like in my institute because um we i have to work with different people all the time i don't ever always work with the same people and uh a lot of them they get kind of stressed out if if we kind of get a little off and it's like it's really not that big a deal just i think the more relaxed you are the better it'll be i mean the the point is are they writing are they i mean now if you're like letting them just slack and they're not doing anything but typically well what'll happen is i'll I'll give them some stuff and then all of a sudden i realize that um they're not getting done. And so I might spend a whole day where they, it's just all choice. You choose the whole day is you choose what you need to work on, but these are the things that I have to have in. So it all has to be in, but this is our, you know, the deadline that the district's given me. So I need to have these things in so I can get them graded. So today I think you just need to work on the things you're missing. 
and then they they just work on their their writing or whatever they've got or and and then if they're finished with just about everything then that I just tell them start on something new. I guess you're right. I mean maybe it's just that I have some I don't know. Exp- I've done it for so long. I, I don't even it's it's more like I, I look at the students and I and I just kind of see what they need. Like, like that's what your students need. They need that routine. If they need that routine specifically and it it, it wigs them out, if they aren't on it, then I would I would change me. And I say, okay, well then we'll we'll do this. Yeah, but I'm not worried about the whole novel versus the other novel. I mean, I that it, to me it's just not. I'm just not going to get hung up on it. It's not an issue. Uh, I, well, I, I know for a fact my kids would pitchfork me into oblivion if I took away their writing time. I mean, it is – it's sacred. They love it. Um, but yeah. they – in terms of this novel thing, so I went about it a certain way. So like I said, I kind of substituted I, – I treated it we, – we basically – so the book I did was the crossover. It's not incredibly difficult. Um, it's written in poetry form. Uh, it's very high interest, but there's there's pieces of it that are really great for structure, for word choice, all of that stuff. It's a deceptively complicated novel. They're teachers. I've I found that a lot of teachers try to use it for like resource and stuff like that, but I think it's it's too difficult. There's tons of the the structure of the poems oh and gosh. the way. The way, like when they're playing basketball, for instance, the, the, the everything rhymes all of a sudden, and the mm-hmm. language changes, and there's parallel structure. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on through there that can really be great to analyze. And I'm just like, I could this would be a nightmare to teach uh, or to give a kid that just struggles with reading in general. But and that's by Kwame, right? Yeah, Kwame Alexander. Well, there's a video that Kwame Alexander. Um, has where um, I guess he's being interviewed and he talks about how when he sees the girl and he just has to have the right word. Have you seen that video? Yeah, Pocatuitous, right? Yes, I love yeah. that. I love that. We, anyway, what's funny ahead. is I used that video after we read that part. Oh, okay, okay. And just okay. to talk about why he would, why would, why would we choose like to write these poems where it's just based on this word. Um, and it was it was a cool connection, and I had some kids uh, start writing pieces that were kind of connected to words that they thought were interesting and That's stuff awesome. like that. Um, but yeah, that the video he's it's a it's a great little author insight. By the way, I well, I haven't ever done this, but there's have you seen those master classes like uh, yes, like I've ads? Seen them. There's tons uh-huh. of ones with like writers, like they have Dan Brown, Neil Gaiman. Uh, Walter Mosley, stuff like that. They, I've always wanted to buy those and see if there's anything that we could take like nuggets out of like a 10 minute section of like these authors, like describing like craft and stuff like that. I almost, I would guarantee you there's stuff in there that would be useful for lessons. Well, I, I tell you that, um, you know, when I go to the conferences and stuff and, and I get an opportunity to listen to authors, you know, like Will Hobb, those, those, um, Lewis Sacker, you know, getting to listen to them and uh, Kate DiCamillo. I mean, just listening to those uh, authors, they've come to some of the conferences and then you listen to them and then you take that back to the students and you go, well, this is what he said about when he had, you know, like Lewis Sacker, one of the things he, he, where he got his idea, where the, uh, uh, I, I guess the warden where she always says, excuse me. Well, that was actually one of his bridge. He plays bridge. Louis Sacker plays bridge with a group of people. And this is a lady that every time she starts to lose, she goes, excuse me. And that's where (laughs) she got that character. And he talks about that. And uh, so anyway, I like to share those tidbits with the kids. And they just think that's the neatest thing, or at least that's how it used to be. But now we can just, you know, YouTube most of that. But Anyway, I did that with your kids. I showed them that we were reading uh, Flora and Ulysses or whatever with uh, Kate DiCamillo. And I told you mm-hmm. that. So I, when I had your, your group that was reading that book, um, I showed them her audio, her video and stuff. And when she got her idea for the vacuum and that was her mother's vacuum. So that's really an ode to her mom. Cause, yeah. So memoriam, yeah. whatever. Well, and I, I think that stuff is really valuable. I think that's honestly why a lot of them 
uh, enjoy kind of conference with me because that, you know, they know I wrote a book and stuff like that. And so like it, it credit, it gives me a mild bit of credibility when talking to them. But right. I always talk about, I'm like, this is what real authors do. Like the other day we talked about the, <laughs> we talked about paragraphs and that I was like, guys, you don't need to do five uh, sentence paragraph, four sentence paragraphs. I was like, that's, and they're like, well, the teachers told us that. I'm like, yeah. I was like, that was, they told you that because that's they're trying teacher. to, they're, they're teaching you structure. They're doing this other stuff. I was like, now that you know that, here's the real rule. It doesn't matter. I was like, your, your paragraph should be pockets of meaning. And sometimes that's one sentence. Sometimes it's tons of sentences. And then I went and I right. showed them examples. I was like, Here's this book, and I knew it had a, a section where the paragraph literally lasts like 20 pages. And I was like, see? Look at that. This is a published or book. The, what are you going to do? paragraph that's just one line. Yeah, or one word, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it, yeah. but that that stuff, right, that that craft, the, the craft moves, uh, the, those are, I, I really do love bringing that stuff in there. But so here's the thing, and, and we're reading the crossover, right? We're doing it as a read aloud. Um, but I'm also doing it as the mini lesson. So in that typical time when I'd be going through something where instead we're just going through one long text. So I treated it as in my head, the way I got myself to do this was I was like, okay, so rather than just pulling excerpts, like usually we do like three or four a week, we're going to do this whole book and then I'll pre-plan some things to hit. We'll not pre-plan some stuff, see what happens. And we just rolled with it. And I got to tell you. It was pretty much fantastic because I like I was already as I was going and it was going really well. I was envisioning this future of man, how many books could I squeeze in this way? How many books uh-huh. could I expose kids to that might be something they wouldn't pick up alone? They would probably pick up the crossover, but something different like that, something that you know, a different genre or maybe a little bit harder of a text. You know, if I wanted to go like Call of the Wild or something like that, right. or, Ayn, or pull in some Ayn Rand or anything like that. Like they were uh, doing that, but the way I did it, and I was like, my number one thing I didn't want to do. I did not want to pack it, work this. I did not want to kill it. No. I wanted it. I wanted to keep it as authentic as possible with craft and draft and everything like that. So what I did is I had them set a mini lesson where we drew a dialogic journal, right? And for those who might not be familiar with this or might have a different concept of what a dialogic journal is, I'm going to tell you what I did. And then listeners can decide if this was the correct way to do it or not. But the way I did it was... They drew on the left was pieces where they would write the excerpts and on the right were their responses to those excerpts, right? You're having a dialogue with the book. And what I did was I, like I just, what I, I just set a, uh, I set kind of a number that I want them to do, but I gave them the option. They could either do it with, I was modeling the dialogic journal through the crossover on my own. So every day we would go back to it. I'm like, Oh, I really love this line. So I'm going to jot it down. I'm going to respond to it later. So I would do that. And I was like, you can do it with me or you can do it with your independent reading book. And my goal by the end of this is that they're going to write a critique on either the crossover or their independent reading book. And I said the crossover could be, or not the crossover, their critiques could be focused on a section of the book. Like if you don't finish, if you only read a hundred pages of your own book, but you still want to critique that, I was like, that's fine. Um, you could critique, I, I, I showed them three different critiques and aesthetic critique. So critiquing the way it's put together, the way it looks, the structure, um, a logical critique. So critiquing the ideas behind something and then kind of a, a pro con critique, which is what we just summed up as kind of like a review, right? Just a standard. What did you like? What'd you not like? What do you rate it? And going through this though, it was really fascinating because I have kids that they were, after we got through the crossover, like half of it, they were like, Oh, I I really, I really like this. I'm really into it. I want to do the critique on this. And then I had kids do both. Um, but it was this really interesting moment to where they were thinking about the books. They were thinking about lines because I gave them the freedom. I was like, sometimes you might write a, a, a character does something. So you write that down on the left, right? Your response to that could be, thinking about what the character is going to do. It can be an inference of what's going to happen. It could even be you talking about how the author did it. So what ended up happening is they got more comfortable. And as I modeled different ways to dialogue with a book, all this metacognition that you can have all the different levels, it ended up, you know, by, you know, after a week, 
kids were doing it on their own and they were going in all kinds of different directions. And so you have all of this deep work that in a, I feel like in a traditional way I could have tried to do that by, you know, okay, we're going to read 10 pages. Here's five questions, right? And then try to extend their thinking with these questions. But I think freeing it in this dialogic way really gave me an interesting platform to stand on because they didn't feel like they were really working that hard because it was just them interacting with the book. But the amount of metacognition that was happening and them thinking about their thinking and just interacting with it, I think... I don't think it could have worked any better, but it was all because I just decided that I had the good idea of just, okay, in the journal, this is ours. And then I had them create a Google docs version that they could have a digital one. So that way, if they Mm -hmm. liked it, I said, if they liked a passage, they could take a picture of it and they could upload it to the left side on their digital dialogic journal. Uh You know what I mean? And so it was like this multi, this multi approach. And I got to tell you, I was like, I'm definitely going to try this again. Yeah. But I mean, just hearing that, I mean, what do you think? I know. I like it. I think I might try it with the rest of my book that we're doing now. The, um, yeah, I like that. I like that idea. I was going to ask you a question and I just lost it. Um, so did you have discussions? Like, do they discuss what they write? I mean, is there a moment in time? Is that what you do in your debrief? I mean, like, how do you know what the kids are doing? when they're writing in, in, in their book. So what we would do, cause this is taking place. So the dialogic journal and reading the crossover took place within the mini lesson time. So that was about 20 minutes or so I extended them. Usually I, I would, I try to stick to a hard 15, but I extended it for 20 minutes just cause we were reading and discussing as we went. And remember I'm also doing it as a read aloud. So like I really encourage them to like openly, like say something like if a part in the book shocks them, you know, and I modeled that. So they started doing it. So it ended up being like, you know, there's parts in the book to where, you know, the miss sweet tea is the girlfriend that they talk about in the book. And at right. first you, at first he kind of paints the picture of like, she's playing the the two twin brothers a little bit. So like naturally all the kids are into it and they've like, Oh my God. And like, you know, they were just responding to each other. So it was like this, you know, it was almost like watching a movie together where people are just openly like, talking and predicting. So that was kind of the first level of that. But, uh, when I would write down something, I would encourage them to, I also, if like, sometimes I would come across a line that I thought was really good. And sometimes the lines were different from class to class. Cause I, you know, you notice different things when you read it and I, I was, I would be like, Oh, that's a great line. I was like, someone should write that down. I think that's great. So I just, you know, kids would jot that down. So I'd kind of model it for them a little bit, kind of encourage them. But then when it came to discussion, what I would do is when we were done reading, before we transitioned over to writing, I would give them time to add to their dialogic journal uh, if they were doing the crossover. And then in their independent reading, uh, I would have them just have it open. And so as they were working, so during the crossover, we would talk a little bit. And then when they did it in their independent reading, they would talk. And then what I would do is my conferences became going to them and looking at their dialogic journals and talk dialoguing with them like, Oh, so what was good about this? And then having that conversation, uh, we didn't do a lot of outward sharing so much, but I think as they're writing their critiques, uh, using the dialogic journal, that's when we're going to do that because we're going to model. Okay. So how do you take all this thinking you did with this book? You know, which parts of these can make it into the critique and which ones, uh, might not. So basically selecting the best ideas and stuff. I I'm going to plan some group thinking for that, but it was really just this back, this backboard for, uh, the reading conference, which I was like, man, I might just use this at all times. Just encourage the constant, you know, almost turn the left side of the mini lesson into mm-hmm. like a, a dialogic journal that just lives. Well, that's cool. So, um, so when you're, when you are, you always do the mini lesson before the kids read? I mean, is that always, no matter what, non-negotiable? Non-negotiable. It's a, unless we have, uh, unless there's not a mini lesson that day, that is something that happens every once in a while. But 95% of the time, if you walk into my classroom, standard mini lesson, read, write every single day. And it's, it's like clockwork. 
Well, of course, you already heard me. Mine is more yeah. like do the warm up, do whatever you want. No, isn't that funny no, though? That seems it seems like we would be opposite. Read. I know it, but then they'll read, and then from there, I'll have them go back into their reading with my mini lesson. See, Does you're a sense? wizard with that too. Yeah, that's, that's what you different. did for your observation too. That's what everyone. That's where you were getting praised for. Was just everything goes back into their reading. That, um. And and honestly, I think that what you're talking about is really genius because it's it's so much about connecting whatever you're talking about to their reading. Now they do that my way; it's just reversed, right? Right. It's, it's the mini lesson, and then as they're reading, I'm encouraging them to kind of be making those connections to the mini lesson in there. But I mean, I don't see. I think they so. Both work. So what? So what I do is they read. Then I give them the mini lesson, and then I'll say, okay, now go back into your book and reread some sections and find blah, blah, blah. And that's good. They Interesting. Go, they get the... It's just a different approach. That's all. Yeah. Well, and it also, so do you, let Mike, I'm going to reverse the question. So is that like clockwork for you? Is it read mini lesson, go back? Almost. I, I, I got to say almost because like I told you, there are times where we'll go in and my mini lesson is all about writing. So I, I guess I'm not, some days I have a, a reading begins and some days writing will begin. So my kids are a little surprised when they get into my class. <laughs> no, I have it all on the board. It's just usually, it's just usually how I get to it. A lot of times it just depends on how much time I give them. Because sometimes the flow is just so good. I mean, like, you're sitting there and it's like, oh, it's just peaceful. Everybody's reading. You just don't want to stop it. <laughs> or everybody's writing and you just don't want to stop it. The kids are like, I mean, it's just like a flow. And I hate interrupting those moments. So then I just kind of move, shift things over a little bit. I get to it all. Just kind of. So it's kind of like a flow. Well, in all honesty, mind flows. Uh, I have that flow too, to where we, cause sometimes we read for 15, we never read for less than 15 minutes, but sometimes it's just 15. Sometimes it's 25. Sometimes it's a little longer. Um, if I cut into their writing time too much, they beat me. Um, but I, I, it's also based on class. Like some, I have some classes that are predominantly readers and they would read the whole time if I let them. So sometimes, you know, we'll read a little bit longer or, if the mini lesson went too long, it was this. And I was, so that, that, that flow is really good. They end up writing. They usually get about 30 minutes of writing every day. Minimum. Um, mine's probably about 20. Well, and here's the thing. I, my honors kids that I have are, I looped up with them. So they were far more used to it. Their writing stamina was already high when they came in. So mm-hmm. I could, I mean, I could easily do 50 minutes a day. Now it's not probably towards the end of that 50 minutes. It'll start getting a little bit more off task, which is why I don't do it all the time. Um, 30 minutes is usually pretty doable. 40 minutes is decent. If they're deep into their pieces, I can do 40 minutes pretty good. But I think anywhere between 20 and 30 uh, is is solid. Yeah, I agree. Well, usually it, our attention, their attention span kind of stops. Yeah, you know, and it gives them, yeah. I think, 20 to 30 minutes. It gives them time to think and process so they don't have to just start gunning. Gives them enough time that once they're deep into it, they can write for a solid time. And then, you know, some mm-hmm. time, you know, to pause and think and be like, you know, is this good? You know, leaves time for conferencing and everything else like that. So, uh, but yeah, I, I really do like that. But yeah, it's it's so funny that I... My class is so much more. I definitely have those sections, though, every single day. Because you would think that we would be opposite. You would think that mine would be, oh, we're the free flow. We'll get to that when we get to it. <laughs> no, that's you know, me. That's you. I think that's why I get crit- critiqued at myself at times. That's but like so you funny. said, I mean, I can put together a lesson really fast. Like, like she asked me that morning, can we do that? And I'm like, Okay. And I mean, I just shifted everything, what I was going to do, because we really weren't going to be there completely. So I just, I had, I had an honors class. Hers was all, uh, I mean, they, they looked like they were almost all ELL kids, you know, language learner kids. Uh, there were a few that weren't, but so we just opened it up. The kids, I know it made an impact on the students because that's the only class that, where we have the same block 
of time with kids. She has 60 kids online. My friend does. Wow. So most of of her day is online learning. So I don't have, there's not classes on the other side for us to do that. So this is the one time though where we have classes and one, one's on level and, and mine's the honors class. So, uh, but when we opened it up, I wasn't sure how it's going to work in, work out, but I know that my students are very nice students. They, they just, you know, it's one of those days that I look forward every morning um, I've got this one girl, she walks in and she listens to our podcast. So she'll know I'm talking about her right now if she listens. <laughs> but anyway, she goes, she'll walk in, she'll go, hello, party people. <laughs> That's how she begins the day. I mean, it's every day. And then on Friday, she walks in. Now you got to know, I have the kids for, I have these students because of COVID. They're in my class from 8.05 to 8.40 and class begins at 8.40. So That's how long they're in my room before class start officially starts. So when she's doing all this, it's before the class and then she'll play. Uh, it's Friday, every Friday. So anyway, they have a good time. They're just, they just love each other. And so I knew that they would be okay with opening the doors. And um, so we began with, the, they all read, all the kids read, her kids read. And then, uh, and then I like to do this, where the kids find a word. So they went back into their reading and they found a word that uh, they thought was interesting. And so I put the words, I wrote the words, everybody gave me a word. Like I had probably, before it was all over, maybe not everybody gave me a word, but at least 10 words were up on the wall or on my board. And it's from her class and my class. And uh, anyway, this one one of her kids gave us a word and he wasn't quite sure how to spell it or I'm not know how to spell it, but how to pronounce it. And so we figured it all out. And then they, everybody tried to tell me and it has its extra, it's, you know how you have extraterrestrialism? Well, this one's extra terror. And I can't even do it, but anyway, I can't, I have to see the word, but it has terror in it. And it's the way you feel if you see something extraterrestrial. So I couldn't figure out if they were saying one word or the other. So it became this big, you know, five minute moment. And then all the kids voted. So I went through and I said, who wants this word? And nobody voted. Well, who wants this word? Well, anyway, this, this uh, boy who's an, an ELL kid, he, um, everybody voted for that extra terror real whatever word. I can't even say it right now without looking at it. But anyway, uh, they all chose his word. So we put that on the word wall. And that was all from their books. And so the kids just had, and so that opened it up for all of them. And then I said, so how do you think an author shows terror? I mean, how does, how does the author deal with uh, you know, get the reader to understand the mood that's going on. I mean, if this is a feeling of fear that occurs when you see something extraterrestrial, if you're a writer, how do you get that across? And so then that's kind of how we started. And then I talked about, went into colors and what colors, you know, and somebody says, well, I, they make everything red or they make everything. So we kind of did that. And so I, I let the kids kind of, it's almost like they naturally, but what I do is, as they're talking to me, I'm thinking of how I can tie it to the lesson I really want to do, which was symbolism. So then I had them all look at their computers after we kind of talked about how an author creates mood. And uh, then they all looked at their computers at, for icons. And then we shared some icons, and they had to tell me what the icons were. And then I had somebody look up the word icon and how it was representation. I said, well, that's what symbolism is. And so by this time, I had all the kids in on it. And then we read chapter four because I said, I talked to him about, well, there's going to be a church coming up. And so then we all, uh, we had an audio of chapter four, but I put it, I put the actual words up on the, on the uh, overhead projector. And so they, that way, no matter what, they could see the words, whether they had a book or not. And because uh, of COVID time, it's kind of hard to everybody have a book right now we just don't have enough because we have to sterilize them and all that stuff so i just had the words up there this time and anyway they all read it we all read it together and then we stopped and talked about uh how did the author about the fact that he had premonition that this was a creepy place you know what the whole thing i'm thinking about right i'm he's sitting here listening and i'm like uh, i don't know 
just think about all the pieces of literacy that you're hitting there, right? You're, you're, you're so well, and it's so authentic and it's in the moment and it's, it's Mm -hmm. expert teaching because so so much of that is improv. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know what, honestly, like if (laughs) what, uh, there's going to be a book written by you and I think uh, next book is going to be the improv teacher. I'm telling you after craft, the improv teacher. I can think on my feet that that I can do. Here's the thing though. I think it is, uh, it's an example of someone who's a master of their craft, which is why Uh I think this is why experienced teachers really hate lesson plans because it's like so much of, it's like, yeah, you walk in with an idea and stuff like that, but so much of real teaching is in the moment response to kids needs, kids thoughts, everything Uh like that really fueling this creative thing, but your everything you talked about is that I'm like, I, could you imagine? Could you just imagine? You just hand them questions and worksheets, and you say, "Okay, we read. Now here's this. Have it turned in by the end of the period." And then taking this top down, like you, like the magic of what you're talking about is so freeing. It's like I can't, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how someone. If like I understand, like if you don't know better, right? Like we all start somewhere. <laughs> But like, well, the yeah, moment, I mean, I started with worksheets. I won't lie. We, yeah, me too. Like, that's I, why I know I don't like them. Well, and here's the thing like, this, this style of teaching, what we're talking about here is this isn't, it, it's, it's so, it's contingent on you being observant about what do real readers need? What do real readers do and trusting that if you teach like a real reader, you teach like a real writer and you approach everything from that. Your kids are going to learn because it's vocabulary, it's thinking, it's everything though, right? It's, it's all of these pieces and there are, it is so vital that the teacher is not, you know, I want to say that's an expert, but I feel like that scares some people, but that I think that you're willing to approach your class authentically. What do real readers do? What do real writers do? And Mm -hmm. I, it's your kids are going to learn from you because that's all you're doing. You're just guiding them to think deeper and to write deeper and to read deeper. And you, once you get there, I think the things click and you don't have to live in the land of just constant question asking. Like, just think about how, like, Oh my, like there's, there's so like, there's different ways to get kids to think than handing them questions. Right. Well, I mean, there were still a lot of questions, but the kids, you know, and then when we finished that, when we got to to all of that, I said it was about premonition. And I just kind of said, you know, we ended with them writing and it was just more like kind of a free write is what I had them do. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it was just really neat. But but this was me also my teacher friend. That was what she wanted. She said, I need to see, I want to watch you teach. I just need to see you teach because I'm not sure what to do. And I said, okay. And so we just opened the door and she saw it. And you can see her on the, on her board, writing down everything that we were doing. And then the next day. And so at the end of the day, I I went into a room, you know, because we shut the door and then she, she had one more class. It's just, it's just her class is not with my class. In other words, she has an off period. I teach and she has an off period or I have an off period. She teaches, so it puts us off on our schedule. So we can't do it smoothly, but I went in there and you could tell that she had been doing it. And I asked her, I said, well, how did it go? And she said, Oh my gosh, the kids loved it. And it was wonderful. And I knew that they liked, I knew it was an there was an impact there somehow because, and the brain loves novelty. The kids love novelty. If you can, you know, so at times, I don't know about routines. I think routines are extremely, extremely important. Right. But it, within that routine, you need to have some novelty. Yep. Does that make sense? And, uh, but at the end of the day, my seventh period, they go, Miss Ochoa, are we going to get to open the doors like first period did? So, how did they know about it? The kids were talking. And I said, well, no, because there's not a class over there. And they're like, oh, man, that just sounded like really cool. <laughs> so, you know, they were talking. So whatever it was, they were talking. So it was kind of neat. So neat. I want to hit on one thing. I know we're getting close to the end of the episode, but I want to touch. Right. Well, actually, two things. So uh, the first thing is, have you read the crossover? Yes. So 
it has yeah, the a basketball sad, players and yeah, uh, it's it's got uh-huh. a sad ending. Yes. Um, and boy, howdy, did I not plan mentally for reading the ending three times in one day? Well, you know, I can't do it. Oh, you would have died. It was because here's the thing. I'm like, I'm really I'm good. I can manage uh-huh. uh, emotions pretty well. The first time I read it that day, I mean, I, I had to like pause a few times, mm-hmm. just kind of take a deep breath. Because, you know, once you're once you're a, like a, a mom and a dad, like stuff hits differently. You know what I mean? So, yeah. <clears throat> I used to not be such a softy, but you know, having a kid changes that. So you, one, I had I hadn't done that, and I haven't done that many read alouds in my life. Um, just, it's one of the things that just kind of was on the back burner. So this was kind of a new experience for me of like trying to, uh, you know, I wasn't like trying to like control yourself while you're reading in front of the. I wasn't trying to be a man or anything, but I also didn't like want to have like a breakdown like in the middle of the class. I, I've had a breakdown. <laughs> They would have been like, they wouldn't know what to do if Chastain had a breakdown. Would have not have gone well. They would Again, have, another thing the kids would be talking about at the end of the day. Well, they definitely would have. So I didn't plan for that. But here's the thing. Um, one of the questions that someone brought up at our campus is they were talking about, they were like, well, the kids should be doing the reading. And... It was basically just bringing up, you know, the the validity of read alouds and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I wanted to I wanted to bring this up just because if people are listening to this, the, if they ever want to try kind of mixing a read aloud with the mini lesson just to see what will kind of happen, is someone will ask inevitably, well, shouldn't the kids be doing the work? Isn't that too much work for them? Isn't that too much scaffolding? And I want to know what your answer is to that to a teacher doing a read a read aloud for students to just interact they did have books by the way so they were they weren't just listening but in a traditional read aloud the teacher would just be reading right and you would the kids would just be there to enjoy it to think to interact and all that other stuff so what what do you say if someone walks up to you and says shouldn't the kids be doing the work what do you say i said well part of what i'm supposed to be teaching is how to listen so hopefully I am doing the work. They are doing the work because they should be listening. But other, as far as like reading in general, the kids have to hear good readers. I mean, these, your, your population, especially my population also, I mean, they are, their parents are doing whatever they can to put food on the table. They don't have time to read to their kids. Some of them do, but I'm just saying most of them don't. And if they do, it's it's a lot of times it's in broken English. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. that's that's the that's just how it is. Now that's not a hundred percent, but I mean it's a large po- a group of our population. So one of the things that kids have to do is they have to hear and listen to good readers, because it's by listening to good readers that they hear when to pause. Uh, they hear. Because a, a reader who just reads the words will not notice the punctuation. We talked about punctuation last year, last time. But a good reader will recognize that dash. The good reader will see the ellipses. And the good reader will pause when there's a pause needing needed. Does that make sense? And so, but how do they know that if they've never heard good reading? Now, you can put an audio book in front of them, but it's not the same. It's Ooh, not the same. So because I, I, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, did I hit something? You did. Well, I, Hey, all right. So sorry to interrupt, but I do want to hit on the fact that the, one of the choices I made was strictly not going for an audio book because I genuinely, I think the, so we had a teacher, she's doing a book, her, she's not having a lot of buy-in with her students. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of the success that I just have in the class and the success that other teachers do is you are the biggest seller of the activity, what you're doing, right? We can make or break right. a lesson with our energy. And I love reading the crossover because it lets me feel like a rapper sometimes. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing doesn't rhyme, but sometimes it does. And mm-hmm. I, I like get up and I start like pointing and I read it like it's a thing. And at mm-hmm. first they were like, oh my God, this is so cringy. But afterward, like the moment we got past that, they were into it. And like I would yell and do all the noises and stuff like that. And it was that 
that moment of not only are they hearing a real reader do this, not only are they hearing the punctuation and stuff like that, but I'm selling this energy. Audiobooks, as good as some audiobooks are, they can never match the energy that a teacher brings to something. No, that's right. And that's they have to see that person read the book. It's it's just there's just something there. And a lot of times my read alouds, as you well know, are picture books. And I use picture books like crazy. So sometimes my mini lesson will be wrapped around a picture book. And in that I teach so much in that picture book, kind of like what I just shared with y'all. So um, but no, they have to hear the language and they have to see it being uh, spoken. Uh, they have to see how fast it takes you to go through a page. So they know what a good pace is. They need to hear the inflection of your voice. They need to, you know, I'm not very good at, at um, you know, I know that you're probably really good, especially if you'd practice, and that would be with all the voices and stuff, you know, but some people are just wonderful with voices. I'm not that person, but I do know how to read well. And I do have students actually ask me, are, when are you going to read to us again? If I haven't read in a while, I can always tell when I haven't read in a while, like just the other day, one of my students, and so it's a boy. He's like, when are you going to read to us again? And I even have some kids, like we went to the library Wednesday and my rule was if they can pick, th- according to our librarian, they can have three books. Your library may be the same way, but they can get three books. For me, two of those books, I don't care what they get. doesn't matter to me. And the one book has got to be something that they haven't read. So, like, it, they can't have the same genre twice. So, they have to have some different genre that they haven't been reading, right? And so, that's how I kind of stretch them. Now, I had some kids pick picture books, and one of the, I said, she goes, oh, I'm so excited about this book. And I said, oh, okay. So I, that is a good book. I've read that book. And she's, and it's a picture book. And she says, I'm going to go. And, and I had another a boy in another class. I had this happen twice. And, uh, but both times they, they wanted their three books was a picture book. Their third one was a picture book. And I said, oh, why'd you pick that? And he goes, because I'm going to read it to my sister. My parents are busy and they can't read. So I'm going to read like you do. I'm going to read to my sister. And I said, you know what? That'll be the best thing that you can do because the more practice you have reading out loud, you can hear yourself. And that's really good. So I encourage the students when they're at home and they kind of look at me and go, but I'll say, no, find a place where nobody's, you know, read to your, read to, you know, maybe your old pet teddy bear or something, you know, read to your, your cat, but read out loud because if the students will practice reading out loud, they can hear the language and they, they learn the words. So I, I'm, I'm all for reading out loud. I, I do a lot of it. Well, on a closing note, I did, um, one of my teacher friends who I met through the podcast, Haley Kerfman, people I know her as the weary teacher on Facebook and Instagram, but she mm-hmm. had reached out to me. She's done a lot of things for me. She helped me promote Teach Me Teacher and all this other stuff. But she asked me to come on and record myself reading a picture book for her kids. I think she's a fourth grade teacher, maybe a third grade teacher. And uh-huh. I was like, man, I don't want to really read picture books. But I was like, all right, sure. You know, it's one of those things I had to say yes. Like She helped me so many times. I was like, yes, I'm in. So I did it. And I, I pre-recorded it rather than going on Zoom, but she said it was she loved it and her the kids loved it and everything else. And I was like, man, I bet I, I know you just say use picture books for middle school, but I was thinking like, you know, I've always said that my next move is going to be to elementary if I could score like a fifth grade position or something like that. And I don't know if that's ever going to actually happen, but uh, man, it, it did it made me ponder just like the excitement of kids and the wonder because you know you can make it happen in middle school and I definitely you know I did with the crossover and I'm sure you do, but there there is a magic with younger kids and books and being read to that that it starts to it doesn't wear off in middle school but they they have the more walls there's more barriers to entry I think with adolescence. Well, let me tell you. Uh, I started, when I started reading picture books to kids, it was to high school kids. That's when I, know, I started You, you said stories, didn't you? Didn't they like sit on the ground and stuff? Oh yeah, I pull them up around me. I was like, come on little children. And I was in my 20s. So I mean, <laughs> I'm coming on a little, and they, and uh, I had several after even they graduated would still talk about that, that they loved. I mean, most of them loved it. 
they got where they did. At first, they were like, oh, my God, this is so stupid. But then I'm like, no, come on. Let's just do it. Just do it for me, please. Okay. And then they were like, we could just, I could just listen to you read all day, Miss Ochoa. So I don't know why, but that's what they would do. So, but I, one of my best lessons, and I still remember it today, and it was 20 over 20 years ago that this lesson was done and it was off of a picture book and that picture book was Rose Blanche and I I combined Rose Blanche uh, Martin Luther King and The Mockingbird chapter 3 and I tied all that together and I still had kids even after they graduated talk about that lesson and how it made them readers or writers there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Read to kids. Let them read out loud. The read aloud. I hey, I'm I'm a believer. The crossover is great. If you're going to read the crossover for the p- prepare your life, if you're going to read it out loud. But ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Craft and Draft. Hopefully, uh, the, you got some ideas to walk away with, something to think about. Feel free to DM us if you would like to ask a question or whatever. We have a few of y'all who stay in contact, which is absolutely amazing. I think it took me forever doing Teach mm-hmm. Me Teacher to have people interact. So it's cool to have people interact with Craft and Draft. We love it. We always share y'all's messages back and forth. So shout out to all of you guys. Shout out to those of you who share this podcast and review it and subscribe. The podcast comes out every Friday, barring any unforeseen circumstances. But I hope everything's going good for you i hope you're surviving covid i hope you are uh surviving testing season if you are in the grades that have to deal with such things hopefully we are getting to the light at the end of the tunnel we're starting to see some normalcy i know it depends on the state you're in and the city you're in sometimes so things might be a little bit cray cray you might even start feeling a little bit normal right now but uh you know it is what it is we're here for you no matter what and i just said the end of the line so you know what that means ladies and gentlemen i'm gonna say it again know that we are here for you